Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, guys. Today, uh, I'm honored to speak to bodybuilding legend. Uh, It's crazy talking to him here because I I grew up uh, admiring him. Mr. Vince Taylor, uh, winner of 22. You can correct me, Vince. Winner of 22 IFBB titles. Most Masters Olympia titles with with five, um, and we'll go down your, your the whole list. It's you know, <laughs> two three pages long. He's coming to us today from from his house in Florida, and I, I appreciate it, Vince. Absolutely, Ryan. Thanks for the invite. Really, Absolutely, really appreciate it. Could could you go back and tell me how you got involved in bodybuilding, competitive bodybuilding? Competitively, yeah. Um, going past all the initial wanting to be a bodybuilder, wanting to be Hercules when I was a little kid. Um, found myself in Germany, uh, went over there to visit my brother. Actually, he was stationed in Berlin, Germany back in the early 70s. And I graduated from high school in 74. And when I got out of high school, took a vacation to Germany, went to Berlin to visit him. Man, fell in love with that city within 20 days and went right back to Europe and stayed over there for 13 years in Berlin. Found bodybuilding when I was actually playing a pickup basketball game. At the uh, at the gymnasium, you know, with armed forces, I was not a soldier, so I couldn't really just go in there, no identification, no ID. So I sit around and wait by the door and sneak in. Got in there, man, and play a little ball game, pick up game. And one day, I saw a friend of mine later on to be friend. Uh, they went up the stairwell, and I'm like, "What's up there?" So I shot upstairs real quick, and it was a weight room, small little weight room. And they were in there training and stuff, and it just hit me again, like, "Wow, this is what I always wanted to do too," you know. Mind you, I'm 26 years old at the time. It's not a your kid. I'm 26. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Let's befriended a few guys, great friends of mine today. Ron Emmons down in South Carolina. Delmore Johnson's also from uh, Northern Florida. So um, that's my first initial pickups, my first training partners. And my book of knowledge came from these guys. So um, we started training about 1983. Yeah, 83. And I met John Brown three times, Mr. Universe, Mr. World Man. I saw him walking down the main streets of Berlin, 6'2", 240, looking like something carved out of a cartoon comic book with some spandex type pants at the time, back in the day. Um, Man, people just fell apart. He was looking at this guy going, this big, huge monster walking down the street, very symmetrical. I'm like, I gotta look like that. So we befriended us each other at a, at a show that evening, he was actually guest posing. I met him there. We spoke. He offered to give me a, a, a boost, a shot up in the sport. Like he was like, "Man, you look pretty good. You gotta try this game." So taking John's advice, I'm training a little bit and um, got right back into it. So it took me from '84 when I started training, and later that six months, seven months later, I entered my first competition, knowing nothing. Ryan, you gotta understand. I don't know about bodybuilding. I'm 26 years old. I'm in Berlin, Germany been there for a few years now and um just living right <laughs> so when bodybuilding came around there's something to do on the weekends with my friends so that turned into let's really push this then it came to that competition and then when i saw john on stage i'm like man i gotta get into bodybuilding this is fantastic so from 1983 84 is where it started first competition came out to be the mr berlin you know as a light heavyweight 
uh, crazy story before I got to the event, had a couple of car accidents and uh, got to the event, missed the whole prejudging, just about sitting in the audience watching. You know, my class was on stage. I'm sitting here watching my buddy because he's a heavyweight. He was competing, taking me along with him for the first time. So I'm sitting there watching the event in the first row. And these guys came on stage, right? And I'm like, they look like my size. I just walked backstage to see what's going on. And sure enough, guy said, man, your class is on stage right now. I'm like, what? I, 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 I. Yeah, well, you can go home. Three months of dieting, man. Oh. Three, maybe four months of dieting. My way of dieting. Rice and tuna fish with a little corn. That's what all I knew. Body, muscle, and fitness, and all that stuff was, hey, get to that post office and uh, send away for that magazine, wait three months to get it, and you know, and then see what the weeder principles are. That's how my bodybuilding training and everything came about. So me and my little makeshift three-month diet got ready to the show. I get to the show, I have a car accident, I miss my, my class. They told me to go home, and then the guy says, Vince, you can compete in the heavyweights. I'm about a buck 15, okay? You know, like heavyweights. Long story short, I competed with the heavyweights with my friend and I won. So that took the competition to the next level. So that's where it all got started after that, that, that show. It just triggered in my brain, man. I wanted to be Mr. America. That was my dream way back in the day. I'd be Mr. America. And that's when my second competition turned out to be Mr. America. Was touched the weights? Did you just see instant? Uh, you know, gratification? I got to say no, uh, because I did not know what I was looking for. You know, it was like most, all these, everybody today even, you know, it's like you're excited. You're going, you're grabbing some iron, you're doing what you're supposed to do because you read a book. Back then, I'm reading books and reading letters that say it should be this, it should be that. And when you just start doing it, man, and you just, you start looking for muscle changes. It's when you see your body naturally just start taking a different direction. That was the reward you got. So you make you think you know what you're doing. And that's how training got started, right? So I didn't, I pushed to the, what I was doing it right or wrong, didn't know. As long as something was growing, I thought I was doing something right. So my training was just trial and error. It was nothing. Do it. Same, same with your nutrition. So you, your nutrition was a little, a little different than everybody else's, if you could kind of explain that. People don't realize that um, I'm about, from a nutritional standpoint, and with all the successes I've had in bodybuilding, being that nutrition is really, really super important on how you prepare and produce. Me and nutrition goes like this. I've always eaten three meals a day, sometimes two. Um, I've always drank Coca-Cola every morning from junior high school, high school, all through life, man. It's been by my bedside. It's been there for 50 plus years. It's there today. So to me, small eater, that was the first differential from what bodybuilders should be eating, then what I'm supposed to be drinking and not supposed to be having, you know, I just went my way, you know. So for me, my limitation was Coca-Cola, red meat, and ketchup. That was my, <laughs> that was my diet. <laughs> did, did, when you when you started getting around the other guys, I, I just assume it's kind of like a fraternity. Did they did they think you were lying to them about <laughs> about your diet? Um, I think. Well, because you never really, I never really shared a close camaraderie with a lot of guys because I'm down in South Florida. These guys are spread all over the place. I would see a lot of these guys just um, on um, at the shows, you know. Um, so I think when you have people talking about your preparations and you have people telling you, I know what Vince is doing and Vince does, when they heard about what I do, it was like, oh, you know, lucky for him, whatever. You know, I don't believe that. Even till today, if I told you I drank Coca-Cola 24 7 people don't even believe it but if you look back at any history of mine they know Vince Taylor he's the guy with coca-cola coca-cola and ice you gotta have the ice cubes like coca-cola but that was trendy you know but that was me basic solid I simply believed in nutrition that yeah that is proper uh progression whatever you have to do to do what you do for bodybuilding or for any other sport your nutrition but I didn't believe the guidelines I didn't believe you had to eat this this is going to give you that like, it doesn't make sense to me. Why would sugar, this way sugar be bad for you versus this way sugar? I stopped believing in all that stuff outside, stuck to my, you know, three meals a day, Coca-Cola, even on competitions. You know, you see me down at the break room, I got a Coca-Cola in hand, man. People look at me like, diet Coke? Diet? <laughs> nah. Tail away. 
unbelievable. So, so you, I mean, obviously you took off from there. You won 20, 24 out of 66 show wins, which is amazing. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. And a lot of those victories, some people feel, oh, you shouldn't have won. And a lot of those second places should have been victories. So you get the bitter with the sweet. But I was pleased either way. It didn't really matter. I was competing for the fans anyway. When when all this is going on, are you able to like you step away and just take a look at everything and say, "Wow, you know, uh, I can really appreciate this"? Or are you just in the midst of competition during the time frame? You mean D- while you're in it, while you're in all these shows and, and in the heat of the battle? Uh, no, I'm in, battling out. You know, you just I don't know. I've armed myself properly for every meet, every show, for example. And again, my energy all came from how I was being received from my fans or at the audience for prejudging, right? If I did my work and they see it, they're giving me the applause and they're bringing it around. It's like, wow, Vince looks great. Hey, I know I'm doing something right. So all my energies were all geared up for, let's get the people behind me. You know, I'm not gonna win the show, maybe, maybe not, because you, everybody's got an opinion. But when it came down to that, man, I was I won when I went on that stage and I got those standing ovations and I got people behind me. Yeah, that made it all worth it. The bodybuilders are, are certainly athletes. Um, I mean, from taking care of the nutrition to the training to to uh, everything else that goes along with it, and then the posing. So you took posing to a whole different whole different level. Um, why was that important to you in, in the beginning? Um. It was part of my strategy because when I, my knowledge of bodybuilding uh, going into it was the three rounds of bodybuilding. You know, how do you win? Now, I want, everybody wants to win, but what's the, what's the books, you know, steps to get to that victory? Um, when I saw the round separation and where bodybuilders became strong and or weak, but if there was a collection of points that's gonna get you number one or number two, you know, so when I saw the rounds of bodybuilding, you know, you're standing up there, you're being compared, Everybody can't have the best symmetry. Everybody can't be the most muscular. Then you have that entertainment round. Who's the one that's bringing that particular interest better on stage as part of your arsenal? And when I saw that the educate the entertainment value of bodybuilding was so boring, which was pointed out to me by my wife. You know, I got to give her all the credit in the world. You know, it was she and myself. You know, we didn't have all the trainers and all the gurus, the, the dietitians and stuff. It's me and my wife. You know, Randy and I, you know, she was my mirror. If I go on stage, people used to hear us communicating all the time. She'd be like, hey, this, this and that. And I'm like, okay, straighten up, you know, turn right. You're looking okay. I needed that appreciation from those eyes to make sure I'm doing what I'm doing. See? So the whole big picture comes about, man, she mentioned at one of the shows how well ladies pose. And when we got to the guys, they're like, they pose like they're in a phone booth. You know, they do a most muscular left, most muscular right, stand in the front of you and make teeth and scream and, you know, whatever. But you're standing in a, you know, one little circle. So I was like, you're right. You know, so once you make something entertaining. Well, I, at the time, was posing my way of slow ballot posing, trying to be a, almost trying to bring muscle in motion, you know, music and flowing muscle. That's just like a beautiful scene. That is songs I'm utilizing on stage for my presentation. Let it tell the story and let me just act behind it. That was my secret to posing. Let my music tell the story and you just bring out the expressions behind it. And um, it's like, you know what? This is going to be pretty good. And I got what she was saying. It was true. So that's also part of one of the winning rounds in bodybuilding, one of the three rounds. You can win that round. So I'm like, if I'm, po- if I'm with all these guys on stage and I'm not the biggest, I'm not the most muscular, but I got better posing this guy. Now, if I got another symmetrical advantage over this guy, I can win two of those three rounds. So that made bodybuilding more appreciative for me to say, I got a, I got a weapon. So let's take posing and now let's use it for what it's done for. But at the same time, let's use it for the audience because if you can do something, get those, bring out more livelihood for bodybuilding, what a change. My gosh, Ryan, when I found that Terminator routine, my wife and I put that thing together shortly before the 91 Mr. Olympia, and it was banging. <laughs> okay. I give her all the credit. So that's what became important to me. Why? Because one, you can win a round. If the show is close and I can beat you in the posing round, I'm good. If I can't beat you in all three, understandable. So I'm working with Lee Haney at the time. 
I'm looking at Lee, he's my idol. I'm like, wow, I got It's a crazy story with Lee real briefly because for two years prior to me meeting Haney on stage at the Olympia, I'm running in Luxembourg and I see him at guest posing and I'm down there with a camera in my hand thinking God just walked past me in, in the nightclub because he was posing there. I'm like, wow. So we met, we spoke for a minute and then as time would have it, a month, a, a couple of months later, I would meet Lee again. And then go, I got into bodybuilding. And now me looking at Lee at this particular event in, in Luxembourg, three years later, I'm on the stage with him and Mr. Olympia. This was crazy, okay? But back to the posing part, that became a thing. Like I'm with Lee Haney, oh, and of course, all the other pros after that now. I'm a rookie, I'm out here in bodybuilding, know nothing about it. My first competition is United Champions professionally. I win that. I find myself at the Olympia with the best in the world. So it's like, you're not going to beat these guys, you know, but you also have a place in the sport. People like seeing you. Give fans something that they like. That's when posing came about. So I saw something where I can add a contribution to the sport. So I changed the way I pose and I changed the way the people who looked at how posing could be done. Lifted it, man. That was my Michael Jackson one shot wonder, the Terminator. And you changed the way the other people are. Uh, yeah. who, who would start copying you here and there? Did, did you did you take that as a compliment, or do you Absolutely. take that as a compliment? Yes. Absolutely. It was just uh, I was so much on that high of having a routine like that that was so had such an impact on bodybuilding. You know, the change entire sport, and, and, and that just kept me going. You know, and I saw people involved in that, and everybody wanted to get more uh education about posing. Everybody wanted to be more exciting. I was getting so much information. Vince, how do you pose? What's your secret? You know, it became, you want to be a communicator. You know, it's about communication, whether you're verbally, whether you're physically, but if you can use that stage, because you got the attention of everybody watching you, it's a play. Utilize it as such. You know, people watching everything you do. So be expression, get your message across. And man, when I got those two little embeds together, I said, that's the winning formula. So when people started taking that as a little information and help, then you saw posing, people got more expressive, people, everything just changed. And I just, I'm just thankful I had a little small part to do in that. <laughs> Pretty big part. Um, Vince, how, how do you deal with the, the ups and downs of, 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 of you're, you're at the highest level of bodybuilding. I'm just a guy going to the gym here and I know the ups and downs. You know, you can't lift the same amount every day. You don't look as good as you do every day. Right. Um, you said yourself, some of those shows you should have won. Um, how, how do you deal with those, those highs and lows mentally? Um, well, I, for me personally, it was always about that next stage because I accepted right away that I'm not going to be the winner all the time, regardless if I deserve to win. If I don't get it, somebody else gets it, then, you know, you're stuck in this platform. But as any athlete, that has a love, man, for be performing. And, and you wanna see what you can do. So you don't really, I think personally, you don't really rely on the judges to give you validation. You get out there, you do what you think you can do. And as long as you see the appreciation and appraisement from the people who are watching you outside of the judge, which is the general public, if they can appreciate it and take it to a certain point, then it's, it's easy. So I never put pressure on myself to say, man, I gotta get this right and do this. Uh -uh. I want to take what I've done. I want to show you what I can do and just continue to do it and build on it. And that's where I like a lot of season, a lot of athletes that do just that. You don't get hung up on the win or the loss. And you hear him say, I'm hungry. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to go after it. You're going after it, but it's not always the win that you're going after. It's that mindset of, of completion. You know, you train that mind. I completed this. I got that. I'm satisfied. Let me check that box. What do you think about today, Bobby? Compared to, to your time, um, physique-wise, man, these guys are from another planet. <laughs> okay, um, I appreciate the work that they all doing, man, and the bodies that I see from evolution. How this where this game is going. Um, but what's what's troubling to me is the fact that I don't see the bodybuilder getting smarter. You know, you got these elite-looking physiques nowadays that are right there at the precipice of being that number one, but they never do that extra step to get there. It's like you, you shut down the, the brain that says, this is your pathway to be number one. You created the physique. 
you got the body, you've got your reputation now, you're bringing this physique back to the stage all the time, but you're stuck in that I gotta beat you and dominate you by doing something on a powerful move, I guess. You know, and I'm looking at these guys thinking, you don't need to be that big, bring it back, create the illusion, create that perfect physique. You got everything else. How much bigger do you wanna be? Because big is not winning. You know, big is not making you number one. Pay attention to that very small, minute thing at the end of the, the checklist. And that is, is each box checked at my maximizing my ability to create this physique? Where did I go wrong? Okay, your training was great because you're huge. Your nutrition is great because you're shredded. Okay, but now you just have a flaw because you're just illusionally wise, you're out of proportion. Reality, bring it back. You know, create another mold. Don't change the workload. Just create the image that you're trying to create. And these guys will be right there because you'll see it's just that, oh, what you're saying is that's why am I killing myself all the time in training to get the same result? Because you're bringing that look back every year and you're still losing. So it's not the look, it's that little bit that you're not doing. And what are people saying to you that you're not listening to? You're too big. Dial back. But they don't do that. But that's for some. Others are just, you know, mindful hunters. They they look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, even if they don't, but mentally they think they do, and they keep on pushing, which is the fun part of the sport. But all in all, the, today's bodybuilding, these guys look phenomenal. Um, I just don't, I personally, I don't like the, 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 there's no big booms anymore in the last few years of bodybuilding, okay? That's one thing I see. There's no change. This physique that you know of will be, it's the same guy's name has been around for years. He's gonna stay in the, until he retires. Right. And it's like evolution wise, people should be beating that physique. But the judging is not applying that type of uh, green light to take one of these guys out. You know, if you're not sharp, you need to go <laughs> around, man. It's like change the criteria a little bit, you know, and these guys who are on stage, let them know, think, man, bring the bring the physique, not the image. OK, that's what's the problem with some of these guys are thinking. But, man. The, the sport to me, I'm not impressed anymore. I don't see that Mr. Olympia, for example, that the Lee Haney was. You know, Dorian came in with a boom, a, a spark, you know, for that year. I thought he looked great. Ronnie Coleman was just absolutely amazing looking. He took it to an extremely different level. Jay Cutler, these, these Dexter, the, the, the Mr. Olympia quality physiques that popped out the field heats. Now that whole era of the new bodybuilders after me, not today, they're gone. I'm looking at the quality of the Mr. Olympia today versus the, not, not, let me back up on it. People get confused when you say that quality word. I'm looking at the um factor, the awe factor. When I see today's Mr. Olympia, when I saw the Lee Haney, okay? When I saw the Dorian, when I saw the uh, uh, Phil Heat, I'm like, those are the physiques that make you go, woo. And of course, Ronnie. And to me, that's the greatest bodybuilder of all time in production of a physique during a certain era. I don't care who you match Ronnie up with. I think it was, was it 90 when he won the night of champions. And then he just, we went to Russia and he just started growing in 2006. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Crazy. <laughs> Ronnie Coleman's physique at that one point in time was the best I've ever seen. You've never seen anything close to that again. They just don't make them like that. anymore. When you go on YouTube now or, uh, or Instagram, uh, you see, you see some of these guys and I'm not disparaging them at all. Um, maybe they're not even competitive bodybuilders, but they're, they're, they're putting out a lot of this, you know, information about uh, drugs and chemicals and they're, they're telling kids how to do it. And, um, I, how do you feel about that? Uh, shocking, man. Even back years ago, you know, when confronted with, man, what I need to do, how can I do this and all this, you have to do this type of information was thrown in your face. And those who just heard it online, they go out there and you know pursue it. And it's like, man, when I talk to people, even nowadays, I'm not totally involved in bodybuilding enough. I think I've stepped so far away from the bodybuilding scene, man. I sometimes I ask myself, Vince Taylor, what did, what did he do in bodybuilding? You know, I'm who is this guy? Um, but when I when I hear some people that hit me up for online training, which I don't do. Uh, when they come after me with some drug in conversations, I like, do. When I was back in the day, what you're doing, it didn't matter to what drug you were using. Just the fact that the drugs that you're using are not going to produce what it is you think you're after. But I'm more concerned about 
your help now and your questioning to me for you to go and look at the negativity of what it is you're trying to get information about. What is it going to do to you negatively rather than positive? You think it's going to give you this. I'm saying it's going to get you that if it goes wrong, or at least be aware of it. So I kind of try to change the uh, approach when I get conversation to more awareness, man. You got to be healthy. The sport is there. You can do it with or without drugs. But the point of it is, knowing if you think a drug is going to take you there, please understand what that drug is going to do to your body or the potential effect. You know, right now, from years now, I hear big guys, young guys asking me now, and I'm doing a HRT, or testosterone replacement therapy. What do you think about that, Vince? I'm like, man, I'm 60 something years old, man. My testosterone has been lowered down for years. So I'm taking tests every week, you know, for almost two years now, you know. Now, that's not because I did bodybuilding. That's because my body's doing this. I want to take some more testosterone. I said, when I tried, I didn't even like that stuff back in the day. I said, because I saw guys blow up for sure, but I didn't see any monster uh, instant winners. Okay. So you want to take this to win. I'm like, dude, that's a long way to get to win and taking this. You could take that and have the same attitude. All I'm asking you to do is if you're going to do it, please be wise and please understand this stuff will help you and it will hurt you. You just roll the dice. And I think a lot of people not bodybuilders have that misconception thinking that it's, it's all chemically made. Um, but if you've, if you've been in the gym with any of these guys or girls or, or even in the kitchen with them and, and the, 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 the diets and the nutrition and the massages and the, 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 the mental approach, I mean, it's, it's a lot more than, than, than that. Um, I tell you what, it's, it's, it's extreme if you can do it. And that which makes me think back when I'm training, right? My, my last show was 2006. Okay. So we're not ancient, but the preparations of getting back into this game, as I see now, what we were doing before is like, you got massage therapists, you got uh, exercise therapists, you got all kinds of technical stuff you got going to you. Get back to the basics because at the end of the day, it starts and stops with A and B. <laughs> a and B. You can write anything between there you want to, but you're going to go back to A and B, whatever you're going to do. So I'm thinking, man, you know, it, you you make it harder than what it is to get the results you're trying. And scientifically, it's not always the best way to go at it. Exactly. And not even bodybuilding. We can make everything harder in, in life. Uh, what what do you think the key is to your longevity? I mean, you look great. <laughs> Coca-Cola. <laughs> I see your I see your pictures. I'm, I know you're in shape. Well, um, I'm doing a little bit thing. You know, after dealing with some of the normal old man injuries, you know, I've always had, but um in training, you know, I've gotten away from training for years. I think uh, I literally stopped training maybe five, six years ago, as far as going to a regular tight once a week, well, every day or two times a day or any regiment of training, I stopped. So I got involved into like that. I'm done with this, you know, and didn't like the body. It's just so you get old, you know, you're over 50. Man, I'm 64, but you're already over 50. And how are you training? Well, don't really, I'm not interested in training. I'm not interested in picking up weights <laughs> anymore. I don't want to see no weight. So I got away from the type of training. And now when I did my comeback in 2006, for example, I had already retired from bodybuilding training wise and competing for like four years. And then in 2006, when I turned 50, it was like, you know what, let me try it again. And then when I got back into training, then I found out very quickly that I did not have to try to duplicate what I used to do twice a day in the gym, 24, seven, seven days a week. That was my, that my goal, you know? I got back and I'm starting to say, okay, I can train this way. I can use this type of weight. I still see the muscle responding like it should be. And I'm not going crazy with this concept. I got to go heavy and I got to beat myself down. I got to grind this out. I started training smarter. And it was like, wow. And my physique, when I turned 50, man, was like, wow, Vince, where you been looking like that? I'm like, dude, I just been training for eight months now thinking I wanted to try this again. I'm shocked what I'm seeing. So when after, shortly after that Olympia approach, came back, you know, I got 11th. I thought should have got six again, you know, the numbers in competition. I thought I was in that top five. I got 11th and that was like crushing to a point, but I would say, well, Hey, you've been off for five years. So now you're back. So now here it is 2007 coming in. So let's just try to train. And that's what I did. You, you saw me get back in the gym in April or 
week, two weeks before Easter in 2007. Went to the gym. I started doing some sit-ups because I'm getting ready to start now my re-comeback. I'm refiring. Man, I did some sit-ups, man. Some inverted sit-ups, I call them. Hand behind my head on a plank board. Lift your feet up. And I was on a pike. And I got a little pinch in my lower right back. And it was nothing. It was like, wow, that was crazy. It stopped me. But I was going to go and work my back. And I went out to walk out the uh, abdominal room to the cable machine, lap pull downs. I was doing one set of lap pull downs. And man, when I reached up and grabbed that bar and pulled it down, that thing went boom. Look, almost uh, a view of contact paper. Those small little squares just like boom, hit me in the face. Like, what was that? And my back's like, whoa, on one side. Stiffened up. I left the gym, went home, and that was the downfall. And ever since that day in 2006 to the day, well, to about seven months ago, I've been having back issues that just, that took me out the game. You know, doctors wanted to surgeries, fuse my back, and I tried everything for two years after that. So that, again, was a problem with me now trying to train at a later age, okay, since I know that I could go out and train a little bit. It was herniated, disrelated, or maybe um, the guy said it could have been pinched herniation or whatever, but whatever it was, it killed my whole career. I mean, I literally was laying on my face like this for two months trying to walk, getting up, created a new language because I couldn't walk straight, you know, it's like, Jesus. So keep that aside, back up five years now and go, when I want to go training, my lower back will get like this, really super tight, amazingly tight. So it's like, you can't even do that. You can't lift anything. You can't squat. You can't push stuff. So for me, just want to train was, is, was, it's incredible. Then I got my Vince Taylor lightweight resistance training concept. Started going more, we're bringing that back into the activity. And man, that's the way I'm training now. And it's giving me the muscle activation, everything I need, you know? So it's like, hmm. And people look at me, Vince, oh, man, you're training pretty good. I'm like, dude, I go to the gym. I'm in the gym with one body part for 20 minutes with my cables and my bands, doing my arms on my forearms, and maybe a, body, a full body stretching motion on the cable machine, just muscle stimulation to activate some muscle. I'm out of here. And the body's holding out. So I'm like, this is nuts. Started using that same approach. I'm not using tons of heavy duty barbells and dumbbells. Cable machine, eccentric contraction, regular contraction motions. Then I'm using multiple angles. Because my goal now in bodybuilding is the goal of everybody when we first start, which is muscle activation. But it's confused. They're training with so much weight and trying to create growth and power that now when you go to the gym to work out, if you don't look like you got beat up, people don't accept you the day worked out, okay? But the goal here, Ryan, was to get that muscle activated. I go back with a different mindset now, knowing how to do that heavy duty stuff and that way I trained for 25 plus years, just banging it out. I'm like, wait a minute now, I'm doing my lightweight resistance, but the key factor didn't change, muscle activation. As long as I can stimulate that one muscle, activate that muscle, that muscle is going to respond regardless of the weight. So I can walk out to the gym getting muscle activation, full contraction with five to 10 pounds using a certain type of approach to, and, and tools for training versus my barbell dumbbells or a workout. And you look at my physique and go like, man, I walk out, I'm healthy, I'm feeling good. I ain't beat up, right? I, I can walk the next day, I got this muscle soreness, but my muscle quality is there. The muscles are round, they're full. For old man even, I'm like, what are you doing? Man, whatever you're doing, this is working. So Vince Taylor, lightweight resistance training is what I'm all about. Awesome. Like, can, oh, can you tell us about your grips? The, the Vince man, Taylor I just happen to have one right here beside me. Awesome. <laughs> this is the concept grip. This is what I call my precision ball. Vince Taylor grip. Um, the thing about this grip is it was the concept is basically to give you the most com comfortable hand grip, but also getting a tool in the gym so you can still get the job done. Now this all came about because I tore a tricep tendon in my right arm, okay? And I was doing my regular rehab. And um, of course, when you're rehabbing and you're doing just whatever the doctors want you to do, I got the bands and I got, and I got the um, cable machine, but I got the triangle shape sponge handle, making that grip and I'm doing tricep extensions. Now mind you, I tore the inner head on this tricep extension here, insertion right here. So what happened was, as I was talking, which I'm always talking, giving advice in the gym from day one, people I asked you, Vince, how do you ever train? You're always talking. Well, people want to know something. I can, you know, let me just tell you what I know real quick, okay? Give you a little seminar. 
So real quickly, I was in there, I was training, somebody was talking to me. I had to shape up the handle, the foam handle in my hand grip. So don't try some extensions, the norm, everybody does them. So for some reason, I took the handle off, which I've done years ago, because I'm always using the cable machine. And I had a little stop ball in my hand from the cable. And as I was talking to this guy, I put the cable between these two fingers, almost in a position like that, okay? So as I was doing that, I, I noticed that when I did that extension, I was talking even, kicked it out front, and all I saw was this outer head of the tricep really activate. I'm like, wow, okay. So what would happen if I just put it between the middle finger <laughs> and I pushed it out? You literally feel and see the resistance of the outer head of the tricep. It changes and you feel the resistance in the rear. I'm like, my gosh, what? Well, bingo, what's going to happen if I put it between the pinky fingers? Okay, so I'm going down the finger fold. When I got here and did that same motion of activation, I kicked it out, bingo, right there was that tendon attachment. And this act, this finger positioning and that alignment activate this tendon here in the tricep. So it's like, I'm trying to rehab this particular tricep head. But the grip I'm utilizing is activating all three because it's a power movement. It's your standard fist grip. So that breaks you down into thinking about directional resistance, contraction, and control. How do you get to that alignment, to that balance? So, okay, so I saw by aligning it with the pinky, I can get right to that. I can see the middle, I can go to the rear. I see that big first two, I go through the outer head. I flip it over, train my biceps. I have to, you have to understand I position them. I train the muscle. So people go to the gym and they train weights. I train the muscle. So I'm like, I'm training this particular muscle from, from the cable to today. Everybody's training with the barbell. You push, you're training power, expecting this muscle to do everything shape wise and everything just by doing A, B, A, B, A, B. I'm like, well, let's break that down. So what I did real quick, Ryan, was and by training my biceps, isolating my biceps, I took the biceps and I said, divide it into three parts. This is what's, what's happening. Just like the tricep. When I'm in this position doing tricep extensions, I hit the outer head. When I flipped it over and did the bicep curl, once I pulled it up, I was able to divide my bicep into three parts. Left, right, middle. This two-finger fold, as if I'm throwing a fastball. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay, That position right there allows me to keep the wrist relaxed, allows me to deactivate the forearm muscle as I'm trying to curl, because there's no longer the need to make this fist to activate forearm flexors when you fist up. If the pan is wide open like this, the forearms are, are totally out of the equation. Now, you're still doing a curling motion, okay? The bicep is contracting, but guess what? Now you feel the isolation in the bicep in the outer portion of the bicep. Same thing, I put it down the, the pinky fingers here, and the middle fingers, I feel the resistance down the middle of the bicep. I go here and I can isolate fibers down the outer head of the bicep. So when I'm trying to redesign the muscle in my bicep, looking at that one full belly muscle, now I see that if I can put some sort of angle between the direction and the resistance and the contraction, I can split that bicep in three sections, right? And go down each lane is what I call them and work in that lane. So I'm able to influence fibers in certain sections of the muscle. Braces doing every Boom, power fiber because you got a power blow. Okay, open it up, lighten it up. You're using 5, 10, 12 pounds maximum because all you're trying to do is get maximum contraction of the bicep or any muscle that you're training. The first rule of thumb, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to contract it. I want the muscle full contraction. So lighter weight, you know you can contract it. You can contract the bicep like that. So you're already contracted. So now let's do muscle activation. Let's pull the resistance into the bicep. I want people to think you're not I'm not out here lifting weights. I'm contracting muscle for me to contract muscle. I don't need 50 pounds to get this. What you're trying to get with 50. I got with five. And that's my trade off. And it's working so believe unbelievable. You actually see in that muscle belly how you influence the fibers in the muscle by staying in certain sections of that muscle, applying your ABCs to it. Curl, pull, repetition, sets, blah, blah, blah. But you're working in a smaller. It's like divide. This is, man, this has worked out so effectively, but it's not just for bodybuilding. It's for anybody. It's anybody who wants to just control resistance to a muscle, train that muscle with the muscle's ability to contract healthily without that constant 
pressure reward that you got to go heavy training and go heavy, go home. The muscle wasn't designed to go heavy all the time. It's growing. It's maintaining growth because you're keeping that pressure on it to keep that size and every other thing that you're doing to keep it that size. But the reaction and the defense of the muscle when it's getting restriction in certain areas, it's going to have to like a bee sting. If it stings you there, it's going to swell up. Well, on that corner that I'm stinging it with in this position because I'm running that resistance right to this one controlled area, it's taking shape and form. So I'm reshaping my biceps, you know, and that's why I tell everybody, guys, you're not going to grow biceps. People grow biceps, for example, because we're targeting biceps on circumference. Look how round my bicep is. Oh, it's big, it's big. But then you're adding tricep and bicep to that equation, right? But if you just look at the bicep muscle itself, all this heavy duty boom, 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 it's not making this bicep get bigger, 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 bigger. What's making the bicep grow? Go inside. Work on those elements. And I found out working under the skin gives me what I need. So I can get perfect contraction, stimulation, using lightweight. And that's my principle, Vince Taylor, lightweight resistance training. But the gold and the beauty of it is with the grips, put you in control. You can utilize these grips for isolation purposes. Like I said, I'm training people with tendonitis. Uh, I even got pictures I'm talking to now, okay? Baseball guys. I'm saying, listen, guys, when you're out there throwing a baseball, what does it look like? What's your hand position? How do you strengthen the tools that you need mostly to control that? Okay, what are you doing to train your fingers, the palm, your hands? What are you doing for all that? First thing I tell you, they grab a barbell and they start squeezing, okay, around, and they're going to squeeze. So what you're doing is you're, all you're basically doing is building your forearm flexors. So with my grips, this gives you a chance to isolate the finger fold. You're sitting here like this. I take, here's my resistance band connection. I take the resistance band connected to my, my power grip in this fashion, right? I sit on my couch. Here's some, from my, some of my pictures now, right? So look, work on that fastball. When you release that ball, okay, what kind of resistance do you, what muscles are responsible for that flow, that follow through, right? When you following through with that pitch and you got that arm in that position, I need you to work like this, all right? Flex that hand. Bring it out this way in front of you. Flex that hand. Let's strengthen those fingers like crazy, okay? Let's get the finger. Now we can get to the forearms later by doing a larger, larger movement. Hands here, wrist rotation exercises. So now that's the single singleized one between the fingers because I'm knowing I want to strengthen my forearms. I want to strengthen the, the meat of the hand, right? I know in this position, I can activate a certain muscle in the forearm by just actually holding the grip on it and bringing it through, right? Uh -huh. So I isolate a form, so I need some bigger arms, stay here. This position, working my forearms, hits all three, all your flexors. I want to be able to take the flexor and individually hit it. Tendonitis. What is tendonitis, for example? It's a flexor that is weaker than the other because it's got some issues. So for me to go ahead on and try to work something for tendonitis, they give you some squeezing motions and stuff. Well, there obviously are not every muscle here is a problem. It's only one. So why don't I just find that one flexor? And this is why my grips come into play. The tools allow you to isolate and find that flexor. I'm doing exactly the same thing with my feet. These are the Vince Taylor to be on the market soon. Foot bands, they go between the toes, just like this, my grips for my hand. I think your hand and your foot are basically the same element, all right? So when you flex the fingers and hear the meat of your hand, well, the meat of your foot is plantar fasciata, your plantar muscles, right? How do you strengthen these muscles in your foot? You don't, okay? How do you, um, your toes, your, your liner from the toes to back to the, um, your, your calf, the, the outside the muscle in the calf is here as well. I place this between the toes, all right, in this position. You're sitting in there like that, and all you're doing is flexing your toes, okay? Let's create some stronger arches, okay? Let's help those tendons and those ligaments in that foot and that, those tendons all around there. When you're doing some sort of Achilles issues, you got some Achilles tendons issues. Right now, I have what they call uh, uh, tibular tendonitis on my right ankle. That, that tendon running down the back of my calf under my ankle toward the front part of the foot is inflamed and man it's keeping me from walking just about okay and it is crazy even when you got plantar fasciitis when you can't even put that heel on the ground they want you to do these with your feet you know pick up a ball i'm like all right well what if i put some resistance behind that when i put my toes in, the, in a position of like just like that and flex the toes you can flex the toes and this is crazy when you flex the toes you'll feel the attachment of the ligament and tendon that's running to the calf muscle, 
okay? And you'll be able to hit the outer portion of the calf muscles, and you'll see which muscle activates it from flexing your foot, stick it out like that, flex the toes like that, and watch the muscles activate in the calf. So now I can train my calves individually and different muscles in the calf and don't have to wear, rely on heel raises just to train my calves. That's the only way you train a calf nowadays, toe raises. This gives me the ability to isolate a muscle in my calf as I isolate the muscles in my form or in my tricep or in my bicep, right? And work in that zone with a light weight to get that muscle activated. If I can gradually create the resistance to that muscle, I can strengthen that particular muscle in a different fashion in a different way. And everybody needs to have some sort of foot care, hand care. You're sitting out there typing. You know how people are all my hands. What do you do to healthy hands? Okay, the same thing applies to here. Training with my bands, do all you need to do. You're sitting there watching TV, do this, okay? Each finger, chain your fingers, okay? That's all you need to do. And that's why I say, when I looked at how you activate, isolate, control any muscle, natural muscle is so simple, but you've got to understand, you don't need the weight to do the activation. Light weight is going to give you the appropriate approach because it's natural for your muscle to respond to some sort of contraction. If you want to contract heavily because you got heavy resistance, that's on you. But if you want to be smart about it and make sure that muscles function like everyday people, I got old people training, young kids. You don't need to be designated 15 pounds to start curling. You should be able to use a resistance that allows you to peak your resistance level as your body strength increases. That's why I'm a big fan of resistance bands because they create that you know, eccentric contraction. And for sports, my son, had, he, he just graduated from the University of Miami. He ran there four years on a track scholarship. And as I was down here as a recruitment day, I'm talking to the sports kinesiologist professor. Um, and one of my fans were in, 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 in his, during his tour. So we're walking through the, the, the center. And the guy was like, Vince, what are you doing? We were talking. I said, I got these grips, you know, blah, blah. He said, man, you should talk to the professor. So I talked to uh, Professor Sperioli here down at the University of Miami. He's like, yeah, we're always looking for something new to, to grade and to how to uh, study muscle activation, certain things. I told him about the tricep injury, what I was doing, what my grips were about. So he offered to do a scientific study. They, they did a, a publication study on my grips. And the first thing he said was, man, these things are amazing. There's so much activation more by placing your grips versus uh, the normal grip, okay? that you should be able to have tremendous success in sports applications, sports performance, rehab centers. Uh, and we started talking about particular sports. He was like, man, baseball players, pitchers. I started telling these guys, train your hands. Football players. I was at the university. I went to Pittsburgh Steelers camp uh, about a year ago. And I was talking to Rivzier, uh, his dad and uh, his son. You know, he was doing some rehab stuff. You know, I gave him some of my grips for his foot. I said, you know, because of his paralyzation. So, you know, track, just practice, you know, practice activating toes, you know, get that stimulation back to the body. Some of the football players do, running backs, quarterbacks. How are you control? How are you creating strength power? Athletes, period, right? So here's an athlete that's a baseball player, football player. So you saw, what's his name? Uh, that one-handed catch, you know, how people freaking out that one, um, I forgot his name, from New York. When he did that one-handed catch, people just started thinking that was amazing. I see a lot of people, kids out there trying to do one-handed catch. Well, how do you strengthen your hands to do one-handed catches? I'm like, here it is. Okay, it's right here. You're, strength, you're stretching like right here because all you're going to do now is activate hand. Now, I'll give you a double ball because if you're training, you want to use some weight. Because right now, my grips are about 10 pounds or less. Train your whole body with 10 pounds or less because of, you're putting it between the fingers. Every rep that you're doing, you're putting between your fingers, okay? That's the reason for your bicep training. If you're not training lightweight, you're not really trying to activate just the forearms, the bicep, the tricep, okay? You want to do some just regular heavy training. Then put your hands in a more natural position by utilizing these type of grip, open palm grip, all right? So now it's more comfortable than the bar grip, number one. The thing about it is you're going to be utilizing my grips with a loose wrist. You can't be doing power driving. Keep the wrist loose because, again, you want to deactivate the form. I don't want my back to help me do a curl, okay, when I'm doing a uh, rowing. I don't need my forearms to help me get that power. And what you'll notice is this. When you see next time you're in the gym, right, You're gonna, and this is training now, okay, they don't feel good unless they're doing this. 
you're sitting down, you got a barbell and a dumbbell, it's a two-hand motion movement. Anything with me with two hands is power, okay? So they're sitting down, they want to do a seated roll, they grab it, they pull that big weight into them, or they go reach up and they grab that weight, and they got that whole stack moving, okay? You're like, wow, because they got a power grip. All the power is being generated all the way down the system, up down the line. Well, guess what? You use the Vince Taylor grips. If you got that hand behind the grips like that, and you open that palm up, now you don't have that key power surge coming through here. There's no help coming here now. So now that muscle you're training, that back you got to pull that weight down with, the back is activating all by itself. This is the time now that your back is not. So you see the difference because when they go to pull that whole stack again, they can't move it. They can't move it. Now you got to lighten that weight up to about 60, 70, 80 pounds. Now you got a full natural. You are now seeing the strength of your back actually working where you can regulate how much power that you're pulling because it's going straight through the back. But as soon as you do this, go back to this grip here, I guarantee you, you're Superman again, okay? <clears throat> you're Superman. So I got them in different sizes. Again, the whole idea was to create a hand comfortable size for all ages, man. If you got small hands, I got a one inch ball, one and a half inch ball. And of course, my yellow ones are a two inch, oh man, one and three quarter inch ball, right? So you go from small, medium to the big reds, which is also a double ball as well. These guys, that's a two-inch ball. Ideally, what I'm doing is making you think. If you're utilizing my small grips, you want to change the diameter and the ratio of your training grip. Right now, when you go to the gym, it's predetermined by the bar you're using, the dumbbell radius, and also the cable attachments on the machine. It's already regulated. You got one size bar you've been using all your life. So your power generation is centered around that. What I've done is says, look, let's create a smaller grip. So we're not, you got to get more titanic energy behind that gripping strength by going with a smaller radius. And let's incrementally increase that radius larger and larger because what we're doing now is getting more strength building and that grip and that power, that hand naturally. You're not even aware of it because you're changing the circumference levels of an inch to an inch and a half to two inch. It requires a lot more grip. At this position at two inches and a lot more strength development to squeeze this versus squeezing this small one. So you can utilize these grips, man, for all I said. One, comfortable. Just replace every grip in the world. Lightweight, you put them in your hand, your bag, you take them to the gym, you utilize a different type of training. But now with this corona and stuff like that, man, safety first, take your own grips to the gym, okay? Get the benefit of learning how to train muscle activation. Let's change our approach. Because right now, even online, before, before I get too far, even online, I see people working with the resistance bands. And they are like pissed off. They kill themselves. I'm trying to train resistance bands. Ain't blank, blank, blank. You're going like, well, I see what you're doing because you get a resistance band out there that's like 30, 40 pounds. That's a lot of resistance to be trying. You can't even do that. But people think they have to have that type of 30-pound band. 50, whatever heavy, heavy they can uh, put together, you know, collectively get a super amount of resistance just to sell. They say they're training hard and heavy. Where actuality is you get yourself a 20 pound band like this one right here, 20, 25 pound. It will work you to death. Do the exact same workout you would normally would do, but understand the weight that you're utilizing. Put contraction of the muscle in front of the exercise. Not the opposite. That's how you always train. The exercise is first and you go and get to contraction later. Go into the exercise. Contract. Identify that muscle. Let's work this muscle. Contract it. Now pull that resistance into that muscle and watch what happens to that body, that muscle belly as it contracts. The same thing you're getting from utilizing that normal approach, the heavy-duty weight stuff. So there's a big problem with people working out with bands and cables in the gym because they don't get the resistance transfer of weights and eccentric contraction because that's the benefit of contracting a muscle to change its origin you got to work both ends of the contraction so these grips give me everything comfortable they fit everybody but the concept of training has to be changed lightweight resistance means muscle activation that means hey deuce remember that word man just go do something <laughs> you know i'm not doing it do something do push-ups what he's saying to you is go activate the muscle if you want to feel good you got to, hey, okay, I got to go activate the muscle, which means I got to go to the gym, which means I got to push tons of weights because I got to come out that gym beat up because then I worked out. Well, guess what? I'm not trying to work 
out anymore, right? I'm trying to get some muscle activation. And that, to me, lighter weight, train light lasts longer. That's what's keeping me through this coronavirus type of training. Expectation. Expect the muscle to be activated. Expect to be charged up. Check the box and move on. Don't expect to be in there beat down trying to, you know, simulate a barbell press <laughs> with 300 pounds and land on your sofa with a broomstick with some resistance bands on it that you can't even move. It's going to slap the, you know what else you're becoming down too fast because you're looking for the wrong resistance. You're not getting the benefit of resistance. We got to train smart. Train light, train smart. One other thing you didn't mention. Uh, yeah. I like to use that little ball on the on the cable oh. crossover. Now, Vince, do you know how many times I got my hand uh, stuck when I when I let it back up there, or yeah. it had a little metal fiber sticking out on the cable every time? So, uh, I mean, your your grips are awesome, and it it definitely works. I switched over to to mostly all cables, yeah. and um, you know, very little weight, and got a lot more results. A lot more. Results. Absolutely, you look, you see the quality of the workout. And I think if people would go back and right now, take and just what you said exactly as well, just go back, do it, execute, take a set of grips, think about training this muscle a different way, lighter weight, think about the contraction and the quality of the exercise to where, to get where you're going. Then you'll see that, wow, these grips, these things um, work fantastic. Band workouts, if you know how to use the resistance element of it, you can't go wrong. It's going to give you what you're looking for because it's the first stage of muscle contraction. And activation. Absolutely. And you can see the, the link right on the screen right there, VinceTaylorGrips.com. Get on there, get your grips. And, uh, you know, the good another good tip was bring your own grips to the gym now when the gym is back open. Um, there it is. Absolutely. And, start, and people should start looking at different uh, resistant elements. You know, go to the gym now, look at the cable machine, look at that type of resistance training and understand what that type of training will do Versus the way you're training right now. And then they're going to, it's going to hit them like a ton of bricks. It's like, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. But you're doing this with the attitude of doing that. But if you stick to this with this attitude, it'll take you further down the road. You know, it's an adjustment. It's an adaptation. And that's what I've been able to do with this lightweight resistance training because I'm looking to be healthy. I want my, that's, that's all I want. I don't want to be walking out the gym like, no more. Oh, my back hurts so much. My legs hurt so much. I can't breathe. I can't move because I done beat myself up. That's not healthy. <laughs> I want to shake it off and be able to go you know, move around. Vince, I appreciate it. I kept you on here well more than I told you I would. Oh, hey, my bad, man. I get to talk. I told you. Man. I get to talking, man. I'm going to be. That's all right. man down. It's a thrill for me. I, I hope hopefully you're doing great. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. Sounds good, man. Everybody be safe, be good. And thank you again for that invite. I appreciate it. Sure, you're welcome. Take care. Be safe. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Hey everybody, thanks for listening to my podcast. If you're looking for social media content for your contracting business, painting contractors, carpenters, electricians, any type of contractor, please check us out on Instagram at Amato Media or check us out on LinkedIn. We can definitely help you all out. So have a great day.